Hello. Hello. And welcome to the first bonus episode of our podcast series. We thought we would put together this special little episode to explain some fancy piece of technology that we've been using for the last five episodes and maybe nobody's noticed. <laughs> I feel like we need a bonus noise. It would good for the bonus episode. I could yeah. I, I do one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you may, may not notice that every episode we have a jingle at the start and uh, it's a it's a little button that we had made that that generates a special unique jingle every time we press it um so yeah then you'll recognize the fact that we've been using the term push the button because it is an actual physical button um with embedded within a sort of concrete enclosure but we get into all these sort of details into this episode proper um, but if you want to find out what it actually looks like physically to get a bit more of an idea, um, check out our Instagram account at Agency of None um, and scroll down a little bit and you'll find the the enclosure and the button and the speaker all there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun little thing, and we thought it might be nice in the context of what we're doing with the podcast to kind of go into the process of how it was made. Um, you also have to put up with Ryan's slightly gravelly tones for this episode as he had a pretty full-on cold at the time that we recorded it. Yeah, it was, it was a little way back that we recorded it and it was thick with a cold. <laughs> um, so apologies for that. Um, what we will do in the introduction, though, you may or may not have noticed that um, the introductions to all the other podcasts, the, the jingles are all unique. So what we're going to do now is play you all five of those jingles from the first five episodes um, back to back so you can actually hear the difference in how that's changed over time. So hopefully you heard the difference um, with our random generative um, intro. Now, to explain how that all works, um, I'll hand you over to the episode and to Jan Sesnik. Uh, I'm Jan. I've, uh, yeah, I, I make musical interactive uh things software uh games uh i teach a bit at Abertay, and i've been here for yeah 12 years which is kind of wild um or at least in scotland for 12 years and a lot of that has been various projects in dundee so i've been in and up up and down between edinburgh and dundee for a number of years and uh yeah kind of making interactive e-sound musical things i think that's what i do and and then that being a, a an introduction different to the one you gave the last time is in <laughs> no way representative of the fact that we started recording this and it all failed and we started again <laughs> <laughs> that's what podcasting is all about <laughs> yeah. um so we've uh we've, we've obviously been launched this new podcast and one of the things that we were looking at 
when we started doing it was the idea that all podcasts have a jingle and jingles can be incredibly endearing or incredibly annoying. <laughs> it's like, how did we, we want to have a look at how we could create something that could could change every time. And, and I think, Ryan, you had experience having run your own podcast. Yeah, well, I think I'm on this episode 72 at the moment. And that's, yeah, a lot of time listening to that same repetitive jingle over and over again. And to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of sick of the jingle from the other podcast. Um, so if we, I wanted to go into this having something that potentially changed over time and evolved um, so that wasn't necessarily static, but still had some sort of semblance. So you, you knew it was that podcast, but you were potentially hearing something different every time you listened. And I kind of remember that we, we had a very, before we started doing, looking at doing the podcast, we kind of started chatting about our, our own studio and our, our door in our studio and how we had um we have no sort of doorbell system in it and we were thinking about what we do with it and how we how we make people uh what kind of doorbell we would put in so it's like a ter- terrible boring sort of discussion well i mean i think but it comes down to the fact that we, we don't have a line of sight from mm. our desks to the the yeah, door because yeah. it's on a diff- slightly different level so we can't often the noise of uh, one of the dogs slipping off the sofa or a car going past sounds like the door opening. So there's a genuinely a, a bit of a problem there. We don't know that someone could come in and then just wander down the stairs or, or whatever. And I think we also chat about the fact that like with, with dogs, particularly in the studio, they, they tend to get used to learning certain noises and certain things or little triggers to their day, their routine. And doorbells particularly can, can make a dog kind of, you know, jump up and get excited and want to run over. And, and I think we started talking about how could you make a doorbell that was, um, that that a dog would have to keep, wouldn't understand every every time. Keep them on their toes. Yeah. Keep them on their paws. And I think we started thinking, well, what if everybody that kind of came through the door got their own noise assigned to them? I like I, dog centric design is something I'm really kind of uh, I like to to co design with dogs. <laughs> um, but that that kind of that sort of line of thought led us into the into the podcast uh, jingle, and it was like that that idea that we could create a noise that was relevant it was it was uh recognizable as the the podcast but different enough every time to be unique to us as well and didn't drive everyone insane it's such a it was it's it's really interesting i mean so yeah that was that was what um the kind of the two sort of challenges you sort of emailed me about and i think there rapidly they became a single challenge which i think was really interesting i kind of we were sort of realizing like oh that's interesting how a radio jingle generator uh, or a podcast jingle generator and a doorbell jingle generator are both jingle generators <laughs> and maybe we could just do the same thing for both so that i mean i think that is a really interesting a really fascinating kind of um design question i think is is the idea that you know there's a reason why podcasts tv shows radio shows repetitive media have repetitive songs and repetitive jingles is because they like they use that as a method to get into our heads and to kind of generate feelings of kind of uh uh, what's the word familiarity yeah familiarity and loyalty and like you know people go on and on about game music and stuff and it's like well a lot of game music sucks but it's the fact that like you've heard it a thousand times and you've always heard it while playing this game that you love that you get these great associations with it and so then you have game music orchestra concerts and stuff and sort of this like really mediocre music that like but like so it, it's a kind of interesting thing that it's it's important on one level but yeah it's also just like 
man, repeating stuff over and over again is, is it can kind of get to you. And so, so there's this kind of funny middle ground. It's like, maybe is there a way to like have a court, a sort of like a sound, uh, like aesthetic that's repeated, but the actual sound itself isn't repeated. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting question that kind of like, I guess programming is really good. It's a really great medium for trying to deal with that because you can have this kind of controlled randomness, right? You can have like, uh, you can generate random numbers, but within a certain set of boundaries or something, and then maybe potentially use that to generate a sort of aesthetic that is repeat repetitive, but not identical. I don't know. So that, that was sort of the train of thought that I started thinking about when you when you first kind of brought that up is I was kind of like, oh, OK, maybe there's a way maybe there is a way to like, you know, in the same way that uh, you would have visual design, you could make 30 designs out of the same three colors and two shapes, you know, and they would all be recognizably the same from the same pattern. But they would be different things and and you can you can do that potentially with sound as well so that was kind of an interesting starting point for it i thought and then we, we sort of looked at i can't remember exactly how it came about but there was sort of email conversation and we sort of chatted about it in the studio um about how what, where do we take these sounds that make up the piece where do they come from and, and how do they exist yeah i seem to remember it being maybe jan that, that said that they uh we needed to create a, a connection in some way to what is that we're doing through the sounds and maybe objects that we really liked that would be useful or objects around us on a daily basis. Yeah, I think I had a few different kind of justifications for that. I think like I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of having a connection to the sound content that you play with. I think um, when you're designing a, a musical or a digital musical instrument or a digital musical interface or something, it, I'm not, I mean, I, th I think just kind of pure synthesis is a really cool thing. It's a, it's a great field, but I'm particularly interested in playing with sounds and sound recordings. And I think part of that is because like when you know what the source of that sound recording is, you kind of get a deeper connection to it. Um, I, I've done a lot of work with Matthew Herbert who works a lot, um, who does a lot of work in that field. We, we made, I, I worked on an album of his, that was made entirely out of the sound of a bomb being dropped in Libya uh, in, in the early 2000s, uh, which actually killed a few people. And there was this sound was recorded by a journalist who happened to be there. And we kind of took this sound apart, a few, a few of us and, and Matthew kind of sort of uh, <laughs> sort of blew the sound apart so to speak into and, and cut it up into millions of little pieces and found different ways of manipulating the sound and putting it back together again to make an album entirely out of the sound and it's like it's amazing how much that changes your process to know what the core what the source sound is i guess it would sort of be like working with you know uh, photographs or something rather than uh just digital colors or something i guess this is sort of maybe the closest equivalent i can find but like so i was kind of thinking okay if this is a podcast about design maybe there's something interesting about finding things that you that the design speaks to you in some way what do those things sound like and maybe some in some instances those sounds are disappearing you know or like you know i'm looking at a little like a time punch clock that you guys have down here in your studio and it's like well in not that long 
<laughs> in in human history terms, the sound of the, those machines will be gone. It'll be completely gone and lost and forever. And we and people, at very least, there won't already probably now. There's not really any sociocultural association with that sound anymore. Right nowadays, there was a time when it was when the idea of punching in and punching out had a kind of a sound associated with it. And when you mentioned it to people, they people knew what it was, and most people did it, and it was sort of integrated into their, their, the kind of the cultural zeitgeist that's gone. I, you know, it's really not, you know, it's hardly a huge loss to humanity, but it's a loss of something. And it's hard to measure what that means really. And it's an interesting thing that that's, that's gone. And like, maybe there's something interesting about taking these sounds of objects and of interactions that we enjoy, that are good, that are interesting in some way and using those as the basis for, a sonic palette like a sonic a sound library to then generate a kind of uh, a jingle which is kind of yeah so that that's sort of what those are the decisions that sort of led to what the sound the sonic palette was i like that the sonic palette the <laughs> sonic palette that we would then play with and you guys recorded 30 something and what, yeah, I mean, we just picked, as you said, sort of interactions that we liked or objects that we like or um, maybe particularly nicely designed things that we know of that make a particular sound that resonated with us. Um, so, I mean, there was a whole range of things from uh, an aerosol like spray paint can to um, a dial-up modem recording. Did the punch clock go in? Um, there is a recording of the punch clock somewhere. Yeah. I think we keep um, we keep realising sounds that we we didn't put in there that might be quite useful. Um, you know, keep doing things during the day. And that's that's a noise that would be really nice to yeah. add to it. Um, oh, we could, but that's also just a nice you know it's a nice thing that it's made you guys aware of the sounds a bit more, which is nice. Um, there is a funny thing. It's like. I mean, it's like when you turn a recording machine on or something, you all of a sudden become hyper aware of all the sound that's around you. And you're just like, oh, my God, wow, there was actually a lot of sound going on. Um, it's just kind of one of the one of the points. But, but one of the first iterations of the of the piece, I remember getting it back and and it was it was really interesting. But actually, it didn't it didn't probably sound like a jingle in some ways. It kind of it was a really interesting sound that it made. But it, it was um it probably needed like we had to kind of go back and kind of tailor bits to make it more jingle like to kind of give it that structure i think yeah i think that's what's really interesting about the sound design of a of a project like this is that you know you have this idea of like oh we'll take all these sounds and then i'll generate a set of random number systems that will play back all of these sounds i mean basically the way it works is there's a there's a library of sounds 30 something sounds when you press the button I'm, I'm going to talk this through off the top of my head because I'm pretty sure I remember how this is programmed. When you press the button, it will choose some number, I think it's eight, of those sounds. And it will play them all back in a sequence. So it will play them back at different pitches and it will play them back in different rhythms, um, all of them at once. And so you get this kind of like this mishmash pattern of eight or so different sounds. And it will play them for I think it's five seconds. And that kind of was my core idea. And uh, well, there, there was funny because of my, <laughs> you go through a lot of iterations of this kind of thing. Cause my original idea was just play all the sounds, you know, do that for all of the sounds. Um, but it's funny that actually that made it crazily overpowering. It was just like this 
total bonkers garbage white noise and then also is quite hard from a performance standpoint it's all running on a little raspberry pi there's only so much it can do so right playing 36 sounds at different pitches and different rhythms it would just it was kind of buggy and it didn't sound that great so you kind of you start cutting away you start limiting these things um and slowly and slowly you slowly little by little you end up getting this kind of like more uh minimalist but much nicer sounding thing so you start with this kind of idea of everything being fully random, but you have to really control and, and sort of massage and manipulate the randomness, um, which is really interesting. But then you end up with this nice kind of bed, this really nice sort of background set of sounds, but which doesn't quite catch you. And that's, I think, what, the, what makes something, what it makes a jingle a jingle is that it's there's something that catches you, that, that pulls you in. So the, the one kind of exception to our to the design rule is there's a glockenspiel note that gets played. So that was sort of the last thing. Let's just yeah, you you hear that. Yeah, yeah. So right at the end. There it is. So there's basically, if there's one, one of the sounds that's, the only sound that's played every single time you press that button is a single glockenspiel note. That's actually, well, I say it's a single recording of a glockenspiel note, but it's played at least three, sometimes four times. So then that one you can kind of hear at the beginning. It was ding, dong, 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 dong. Um, and that's a kind of little melody. And then the last note, and this happens every single time, whatever the last note it is that it plays, it also plays it in reverse. And that's what that last little like zinc thing is. And So that, is that a different sound every time, but it's just doing it? In no, it's always the glockenspiel yeah. note. Yeah. That kind of creates a set, a, a kind of, a pseudo reproducibility if that makes sense i think i mean we, we are kind of with us it is kind of challenging a little bit of how people remember sound as well because you know there, there's so many things in there that are familiar each time but they're all in a slightly different sequence or a slightly different pitch or a slightly but all end with that one note yeah. where, where if you're not familiar with if you're not listening to them each one each day's noise side by side would you know that you're getting a different one? Well, yeah, exactly. That, that's kind of, you know, in a, in a, maybe in the ideal world, you you wouldn't know that it's been that it's different. That it's like it's a sub it's a subconscious thing. It's just that like it would be you would be less sick of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you'd think it's the same, yeah, but it's not the same, and it would thus therefore have a longer lifespan. That's that's one thing we've, we've not touched on is the fact that. It will only play. It will play the same jingle for one day, <laughs> but then every day will be different. Yeah, that was a kind of an interest, a fun twist that I love. I, I I got really excited by. So the every day, it's it's quite hard to explain this. Like so, basically, the way the num the the there's a there's a in the code there's a bunch of uh, you can actually kind of see them when you look at the code. You can see these kind of graphs. And there's a bunch of these graphs, and they are populated by a, a bunch of random numbers. Because it's, it's built in PD. In pure data, yeah, the, in PD. Uh, yeah. Uh, PD, which is this like kind of graphical programming language that I like to use for interactive audio stuff. And that's running on this Raspberry Pi that's in this enclosure, which we'll talk about. So that you press the button, it generates this, um, it presses play on this patch in PD. And in PD, you can actually see these graphs. And all these graphs are setting the pitch, the volume, um, the sequences that are played, um, 
which sounds are being selected, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so there are a bunch of layers to that. Um, and there, all of those graphs are being populated by random number generators. Random number generators usually have a seed. And I find this to be a kind of an amazing concept, just like philosophically, that like they'll have a seed is the kind of an, a number that sets what the random number pattern will be. So if you set up random number pattern, a seed of 10, then that random number generator will generate a set of random numbers. And next time you ask for that set of random numbers, it'll be the same set of random numbers. So it's it lets you kind of do a random but reproducible set of numbers, which is a, a beautiful concept and, and one that's really important, I think, especially when it comes to musical, well, to sound design, because you want something to seem chaotic but you want to be able to control that chaos. And so random number seeds are a really good way of being able to do that. And the twist on this box is that it's connected to a network, it connects to the Wi-Fi, and it's constantly checking what day it is. And when you press the button, it checks what day it is, and it uses that day to set the seed of all of those random number generators. So that means that whenever you press the button on a single day, it will generate the same pattern over and over. You keep pressing it until midnight. I don't know. We should try it one day. Just like come here at eleven fifty nine, and <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And um, if you press it the next day, it'll generate a new pattern. I think what interested me about that um, mm. was partially coming from the doorbell side of things. Is that it means that means you know your dogs won't go bananas theoretically every time, like my dog does. Every time the doorbell rings, he's completely inconsolable and. Um, but also, so that means it, it changes every day and there's a kind of a nice mystery, like, oh, what's today's sound gonna be, <laughs> which I love. But also that the previous day's sound is lost. You know, I, I, I think that's a really important element to this, that like, that's in all likelihood never, I mean, the well, chances you of say it's lost, but it's, it's gonna always exist within the podcast yeah. episode of the, the, but there'll be so many days that the podcast wasn't recorded that exactly. those sounds will just never be heard. Yeah, a day, I mean, there've probably been a number of days since we finished this that you haven't pressed the button and you'll never have heard those sounds. Those sounds are gone. Yeah. So it's like, that's, I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a really, really nice thing. This idea that like, there are sounds that are, that have, unfulfilled potential <laughs> if, if nobody presses the button did the sound ever exist in the well, first place well like you know the, the the patch was already the, the code was already to give you that sound it's like come on press the button <laughs> but it's like even within the code it's because it's real-time generated the, the audio is real-time generated in the code it has not been made what, that, what during the night a mouse creeps in <laughs> goes over the button and presses it yeah. And then goes, and how do we know if that, that happened? How do we know if that sound was yeah, generated? Yeah, I don't know. What you need to do is build a little robot that once a day will press that button. Well, I've no got a little what. drawing arm upstairs that I, I funded on Kickstarter and uh, I needn't find a use for it. So maybe we could program it to, to press the button when we're not here. That's the thing, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because that was also this this idea of, of making it a kind of like, un, like, like a, a, an object that was creating a sound that then disappeared. I think is what led to us wanting to make it be an object that had a speaker in it. And no, it's not like, you know, you're holding it up to the mic whenever you press the button to press it because there's no audio output. You're not recording this digitally and you're not recording it direct out of the amplifier. There's a speaker there and there's a button and there's a power socket and that's it. And I think that 
that I really liked that as a sort of elegant thing. It's like the object is making the sound. The sound is coming from the object and that makes it its own thing. It's not like, I think there's a real problem with just like purity of sound, you know, of just being able to like plug a sound object into something else and then you're losing that connection with the source object. I think with this, I really liked the idea of having it be a fully integrated object. You can plug that in and it makes the sound on its own. And I think that, that works on its own. And when you talk about the object, we probably should explain the yeah. uh, the, the enclosure that it currently finds itself in. Um, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, so it's made out of concrete. Um, there's, a, I suppose there's a reason for the, the backstory to that is um, when we were sort of um, given the studio a makeover when we first, <coughs> excuse me, um, moved in, sort of we're looking at solutions for coasters we're looking i was looking to buy coasters on etsy and it, i mean they were quite expensive and i was like uh, i could probably just make them and often terrible some coasters i I've, I've bought lots of coasters where they you put a co- coffee cup on them and they all the all the nice bits that you bought them for just kind of come off yeah <laughs> but like the, and the, the great thing about the, the concrete was so robust so i mean i decided to make coasters um i also have to give my wife taryn credit because she always hates when I, I don't i don't credit her for this um but we did we made the coasters <laughs> i don't think i knew that <laughs> <laughs> there you go i've obviously never told this story when taryn's been around yeah. um but yeah so we, we made it with the bottom of yogurt pots and we just sort of mixed concrete poured them in uh set them and then sort of painted, lacquered, and then felt at the bottom of them. So it made these really nice little coasters. Um, and then we are you selling them on Etsy? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. Um, and then we sort of made plant pots out of that as well. And so it kind of got a bit used to using concrete as a as a medium and just sort of playing with that. And then I thought, well, if we're going to make a physical object, I quite like to be something quite weighty. Mm. Um, and this idea of having this physical button and we were looking at this arcade style button that's quite chunky and has a really nice interaction like a really nice press that has a good sort of weight to it um, so I was like yeah well why, why not let's try and just make a, a, a concrete block um, and the easiest the easiest sort of form factor to use was, was a butter tub <laughs> so yeah just um, you obviously spec'd out the, the components that we needed so we, we bought all them put them together and I sort of worked out a rough size and that it would actually be doable to fit everything in so prototyped it out of cardboard first and then mix up the concrete poured it in and put little um, spacers in for the size of the components um, so I didn't have to make the holes afterwards through the concrete and then it was just a case of waiting for it to set and then just widening and sanding down the holes a little bit and inserting all the components and it worked it's it's such an awesome object. I mean, I I I hope whoever's listening seeks out a picture of it because it's like I was I loved the idea of a concrete um, sound or a kind of digital musical instrument. I've I've never used I've never made that. I've always made things out of out of wood mostly, um, and uh, it's it's just so nice. I mean, and and the weight of it is so great. It's like such a nice heavy object for a small thing i mean it fits in your hand it's the size of a butter tub but then and then there's just like such a nice um the 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 kind of combination of the arcade button the little speaker cone the kind of component even the little usb socket for power it looks so interesting against the kind of super grainy rough concrete is it's a really nice balance um and it's actually it's totally inspired me i'm really wanting to make an inst- like a musical instrument or controller or some kind of digital 
musical thing out of a big old chunk of concrete. I think there's also something really interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I think it's really important to think about materials when you're designing, um, well, anything. Obviously, I don't need to tell that to some designers, but in particular, musical objects, because everything is made of plastic nowadays, you know, these plastic keyboards, and that's really weird and problematic and, and strange. And then everything is designed to be light, so you can ship it everywhere, and then, then you're kind of shipping things on airplanes and oil tankers, and or not oil tankers, but big shipping ships. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, well, in a way, like making a really heavy instrument like isn't that nice how it enforces a sort of look localization of things like if i was to make a 20 kilo music controller with three buttons on it like i i would only be able to sell that to people who live nearby and that there's like something nice about that it's you like know the, it's like the modern grand piano isn't it it's like <laughs> if you don't have a winch system and a, and a window big enough <laughs> exactly like a giant a giant heavy object and there's just something really nice about that and it, it did occur to me like oh man I, I i mean i i tend to think way too far ahead of these kinds of things but like man maybe we should make a set of these that like we press a button and it generates a set of interesting local sounds and they're made out of concrete and it's just sounds of dundee and it's a different set of sounds of dundee every time you press it um and across the city whoever presses a button on that same day will hear the same sound but then that sound will be lost forever and you can buy it for 300 pounds or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so it's it, there's just kind of a it's 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 an interesting it's interesting how the material you choose to make these objects really uh influences the the outcome um especially in this case where it's just like a lovely kind of physical object with just one button on it and the sound coming out of it. It's, it's so great. I'm but really pleased with it. I always remember your, your, uh, your gale keys that you made many years ago <laughs> in, in jam jars and stuff like that. And that's yeah. kind of that sort of that recycling of existing sort of, you know, yeah. Things to... Yeah. Jars are a, a beautiful thing to make musical instruments out of. I, I still like to use them uh, as, as a sort of go-to. Just I, yeah. I love the texture of them and, and seeing the glass seeing kind of electronics through a little kind of uh, slightly warped glass is always a nice little aesthetic. But yeah, that, I think it's a similar thing. Maybe you should make maybe you should make jars as as a concrete mold. Uh, that'd be a nice one. I always think with the glass, you know, you've always got that thing where you you know when you hit it, it can it makes nice resonance uh, depending yeah. on the thickness and stuff. And there's always something about recording it from inside the glass, like as an instrument, and then being able to play it back out. But Oh, yeah, there's definitely something Sorry, in there. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm channeling my frustrated inner musician. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make you that instrument. Don't worry. <laughs> don't know, but the, the interesting thing that we're talking, you know, we talked a bit about the dogs. You know, dogs seem to creep into our podcast for some reason uh, quite a lot. So on board. Uh, <laughs> um, but they, um, they don't react to it. Like they, no, it, no, it no, does, no. it does have a sound like a bit like a doorbell but they don't react to it at all. So mm. if I press a doorbell right now, my dog for sure would jump up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I should test it on my dog. I'm not sure. Yeah. He, I, it's, I find it quite hard to, um, to predict how my dog will react to various sounds. I, I often have him in my studio in Edinburgh and, um, like I, I always think like, Oh boy, if I listen to this, then he'll totally go bananas. And he just like is snoring away behind me. And then, some other sound will happen and he just goes completely insane and i i don't i don't really know what it is i guess it's yeah maybe there's an interesting lesson there and but i think they, they they do learn i mean maybe it's association as well of, of a sound type 
with a with a particular movement like doors opening or mm. or things because I've always when I used to work for my my house at, at four o'clock every day my dog would know it was time to go out for a walk yeah. and it baffled me how how she knew what time it was and then I began to realize the school buses for the near, nearby school would start to go down the road uh, to the school just before four o'clock so right. so I think she started to associate that that was the noise of the buses because the, the road doesn't have buses on it normally going past. Uh, it was normally and it would trigger me to get up to start taking her out for a walk wow that's amazing i lo- i mean yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of dogs and i think they should they should uh influence our design choices more often um yeah in in the world that's that's the quote that's the name of the episode <laughs> now isn't it it's the balance to the dog poo one so yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good place to end it huh? cool thanks Thank guys you. okay thanks oh wait 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 wait. need to press the button one more time yeah one for the road so quite an interesting look at how the button was made and how Jan went about creating it and butter tubs and concrete and the general fascination for making things with uh, off-the-shelf moulding products. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's un- <laughs> uncovered some of the, the mystique of that, that concrete block. Um, yeah, um, I suppose we've had a more yeah I don't know if analog is the right word but um organic th- organic okay way organic. of <laughs> okay, <could be> organic <laughs> I can't I can't believe we're going to talk about this so when we we're also going to destroy the magic of podcasting here by saying that we we don't always have the live button with us um or sometimes we pre-record the, the the noise of the button when it's nice and quiet um, and put it in afterwards. Also, if we have to do an episode over two days or other days mm. and, and noise, the, the sound will actually change. So we don't want to have a different sound for the same episode. So we'll, we'll have recorded it previously and we'll, we'll, we'll edit it in later. But for authenticity reasons, Lyle likes to um, manually input his own button noises into the episode just so i know where to put the the edit point in for the actual button noise it's not really that i just i just enjoy doing it so i thought we should do a little compilation of those um lyle button noises um <laughs> so <laughs> if that's what you want to call them I don't know. um I'm, ho- I'm hoping i'm hoping it'll you'll, you'll create a button in the future which will take some in fact we could uh, no, let's not we, c- we could take your samples and make a whole version just of your boop 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 boops. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's listen to them now. That was embarrassing. So, I mean, I suppose we could just have a straight up, if we get enough tweets about it and people like it enough, then we'll just replace the button noises with Lyle's mouth noises. So, yeah, hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram at Agency of None. What do I do if these turn up in some sort of, you know, public domain library of 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 sort sound effects do I, do I get royalties out of these lawyer up <laughs>
but yeah, I mean, hopefully you find this bonus episode interesting. Um, if not, there will always be other episodes. It was also nice and short, so people can listen to it on their way to work. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. We, we've had this debate over whether to shorten the episodes down to maybe like half an hour. Um, yeah, let us know if that's... Is that better? Is that worse? Do you like it? Will it 45 minutes to an hour, or would you prefer them 30 minutes? We could, have, we could have a short, shorter date and an extended date. Well, we won't know until people tell us. So, yeah, tell us on Twitter. And all that remains to be done at the end of the episode is to push the button. <laughs>